Well, hi, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy 2024. With Bob LaBelle, I'm Mike Lynch. Welcome into Unanchored Boston. As always, we are brought by our good friends at Cold Springs RV, your destination for all things camping. And where? We're in New Hampshire, of course, and the great George Gray, the big wheel, we call him, at George Gray's Lexington Toyota. I call him potty mouth, actually. Yeah, I heard that uh, that he had a little bit of a potty mouth. Is that right? A little bit, yeah. We just got to be careful. Okay. Uh, if I was a customer, he wouldn't be potty mouth, but <laughs> to his friends. It's part of his endearing qualities, actually. That's right. The big wheel. Uh, George Gray. Who gave him that nickname? Somebody did. Uh, well, I think you did, actually. Why don't you, you know what? Here's. Take it for what it's worth. This is a big week, you know, right? This is the big week. I mean, I just think, I don't know what to think about this week, but that's why I tune into the show to find out what to think about this week. Well, I mean, multiple things could happen. Maybe One, we should wait till our guest comes on to, you know, that's what I was just thinking. Maybe we all have our scenarios and our guests are usually the ones that are right, aren't they? I mean, we, you and I are like, Okay, here's my guest for the week. <laughs> but that's why we bring guests in. But okay, I, we can we can wait for our guest. But I'm really looking forward to having uh, this person on today. Yeah, we tell everybody it's Ron Borges is going to be joining us momentarily. Ron uh, Borges, one of the he like the he's got that Will McDonough edge, yep. fearless. A great, good word, took it right out of my mouth. Fearless. Um, He's not afraid. He's not intimidated. Uh, he's not a houseman. He can't be had. Um, he just, you know, it's, he, he writes the way it is. And uh, it'll be interesting to uh, to hear him talk, um, you know, about craft, about Belichick, um, and what uh, what's going to be happening here. Um, because something's going to be happening. Um and I think anybody that, that thinks that they know what is going to be happening is deluding themselves and everybody else. Uh, true, including us. But everybody's got their theories, and as do we. By the way, I did uh, take your advice and did watch Murder in Boston, the podcast yeah. other on Netflix. Actually, it's on HBO Max. Yeah. On the Charles Stewart uh, story. Amazing. And Jason yeah. Harrow, the, the guy that produced it, produced The Last Dance. Yeah. He's, he's been on the show before. He was an intern for you. Yeah. And he came in when he was 11 years old and interviewed me. <laughs> so I was, I just, we had a history with Jason for a long time before he became, yeah. you know, famous and rich. He did a great documentary on Greg Norman uh, as well. Uh, Absolutely. That was fantastic. Fantastic. And of course, the, the last dance of, of Michael Jordan and the Bulls was just one of the one of the greatest things um, that I that, that anybody's ever put together. I mean, just the amount of time it took to and, and go back to the Charles Stewart thing. I mean, you know, just going through all the footage from all the three news stations to get. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, that was no sure. And I remember I didn't. We tried to get Jason on again before, and I, I remember at some point he was said he was they, he was shooting something something on to, up on the Tobin Bridge. Yeah, remember that? Yeah, and yeah. I and that obviously was it. I mean, this that was an amazing thing, Mike. You're right. Put that 
put that together was. Yeah, it really was. He, um, he's done a great job and, um, and, um, you know, we're, we're both very, really proud of the guy. Um, yeah. The guy's from Newton. He uh, went to Williams College, played baseball, and now he's just banging out documentaries. And every single one of them is is Academy Award worthy. I mean, just solid right. stuff. I mean, you think, and you're, I think you suggested we have him on because of the of his last work with the you know a murder in Boston. I think it would, after we get by this patriot childishness, uh, we can take on some serious topics, and that would be one of them. Yeah, I would love to have him on there. I'd love to. Good, that would be great. Fans. I would think I agree with you on that, hundred percent. I mean, he had all these all these guys that uh, were suspects, uh, guys that did time. Um, he convinced them all to come on the show. Unbelievable. I mean, it was just amazing compilation, and the cop. Yeah. yeah. Fatty. Yeah. He, um Done. Ed Dunn. Yeah. Is it Charlie Dunn? I read. I don't know. It was uh, done. It was. I, I know that, but uh, Officer Dunn. Well, Boston. Boston's a small town, um, and everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows uh, uh, police police crews. They know EMTs. They they know undercover people, and. Um, you know, they had a lot of a lot of good reporters on. There. Jack Hopper was uh, featured in that. Yeah, it was yeah, great. Jack was, was great. Yeah. There were yeah. a lot of reporters around the city that were featured in that. And uh, yeah, reporters well, and anchors. And, uh, it's what's what shocked me in, in listening to the documentary. And then we'll leave it and we'll get on to the silliness of the New England Patriots and that uh, so many people uh, really kind of knew that Charles had done it and never spoke up. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's beside you gotta, you gotta watch it. I don't want to tell you. Yeah. It's good. It's, it's, a, it's remarkable. It's a remarkable history of, of the town as well. And, uh, you know, people, some, some people came out, some of our friends came out of it in good shape and some in not so good shape. So, Whatever. How about the college football playoffs, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe Alabama's last play. That was the most disgusting, uh, most huh? dis most disappointing call. What was it? You could tell the quarterback after. What were they thinking? What was? We're we're talking about a basic ten yard quarterback sneak, right? Yeah into the pile. What was he possibly thinking? What chance did that play have of succeeding? You know, and, and especially after how they pulled out the Auburn game with that the fourth and 31, they, they, a great pass in the corner of the end zone. And here they are from the four-yard line or something like oh that. God. And the guy's not – he's not under center. He's – you know, it's just – well, they – hey, maybe they were trying to take him by surprise. They took me by surprise. That's for sure. <laughs> Did the committee get it right with the with those four teams? Do you think? Well, they certainly got it right with Florida State. You know, they yeah. can't complain about anything. No, I guess they did. I I think the twelve team playoff is, you know, much, much more equitable next year. It's just I don't know. You know, between I've heard all the arguments about how these kids it's time for them to make money it's time for them to choose their schools and go through the portal 
coaches can do it. Why can't they do it? I mean, I, there's pros and cons and all that. I don't know how you feel about it, having played, you know, college football. But, I mean, going through the portal as a whole, everybody does now. Might as well go through the portal and find out who's interested in playing and where you can go. I know. It's, 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 uh, I, I don't understand the whole thing. Some guys played seven years. Um, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I, I tried to go to college for seven years. <laughs> I came pretty close. <laughs> I didn't, I stretched it to five. <laughs> it's one of the, one of the great lines, Animal House. Remember John Belushi looks at his, his, at his 0. 0.00 and he goes, seven years of college down the drain. <laughs> Uh, for sure. I, it was, um, we gave it our best shot. We had a lot of stuff. I want to talk, I want to talk about the, uh, we had a call in the Dallas Cowboy Detroit Lions game. We'll talk with the board just about that as well. And you know, what do you think about that? Well, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I don't see why the referee has to announce the number 68 is reporting as eligible. Let the defense figure it out. You know what I mean? Let them let, let, let them come out of the huddle and see there's a guy on the end of the line is number 68. Oh, well, he must be eligible to receive a pass then. And, you know, cover him. Um, you know, they announce the whole world. How old would Mike Vrabel used to come in? They say number 50. Well, is no, he came least. in 10 times at least because he I got know. 10 touchdown passes. I know. The whole world knew he was eligible. They knew he had good hands. He was a good athlete. And yet he still, he did one in the Super Bowl against the Eagles. I know. Well, flying around like an Eagle. Against Carolina, he did the same thing, right? Against Carolina. Yeah. 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 And that's Super Bowl as well. Remember, that was the Super Bowl in Carolina when the kicker kicked it. They had taken the lead. Carolina, right? Yeah. It was in Houston. And they took the lead. And the kicker kicked it out of bounds and on the ensuing kickoff, and they put it on the 45-yard line for Brady with four, three timeouts. <laughs> oh. yeah, anyway. they're, 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 those, those guys are, have been – they're not working any playoff games, that crew apparently, uh, NFL crew. And, um, you know, you look at the video and, you know, the guy did, – did, 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 did the other tackle come over and report? You know, I don't know, but – it's it's not enough to uh, and of course it has to be Dallas. It's pretty much like um, uh, for the Lions. It's pretty much their tuck rule. You know they get yeah. the Oakland yeah. Raiders still feel to this day they get shafted, and the Detroit Lions are going to you know twenty years from now they're still going to feel they get shafted the other night down in Dallas. It's so interesting you brought up the tuck rule because it really was. Um... That was our rendition of that play, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although Walt Coleman, the referee that called the tuck rule, still insists it was he was right. I know. I never. Uh, I I would say ninety to ninety-five percent of the people watching it, covering it in the league, never heard of the tuck rule. We'll find out from Borges. He used to, he used to write out in the West Coast, cover the Raiders. I think that uh, yeah, he I mean he makes the perfect media guy for the Raiders, right? He, he kind of fits right in. Yep. It's like McDonough and Al Davis were all all partners. Yep. <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, the tuck rule started everything. We've we've been through this before, and if you haven't seen it, it's on ESPN 30 for 30. It really is worth seeing because you talk about the Patriot dynasty, or one of them anyway, the so-called two dynasties. That really started it. I mean, that was then came the military field goal in the snow, and then came the snow angel field goal, and blah, 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 on. Then it became the Rams, you know, 14-point underdogs, and then on and on it went. Yeah, uh, nonstop. Well, they, didn't course, the, they didn't make the playoffs the next year. That was hard to believe after they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then they won the next two Super Bowls. And uh, so, yeah. Uh, very interesting, um, but without question, we're gonna. Um, there's so many things to talk about. Um, yeah, let's not talk about the Red Sox, okay? There's so many things not to talk about. I got a got a thing today about uh, spring training tickets went on sale, and uh, it is a hot commodity. It is a, actually is a hot commodity because people that are down <laughs> in the Fort Myers area they don't really care. You know, they just they, they just it's something to do. It's a day at the ballpark, but um, you know, after the end of, then you have to play games for real, starting March thirtieth or whatever the, the date is that they start the regular season. Yeah, uh, Chris Sale, I suppose you could, uh, yeah, bring up. But on the other hand, good move getting rid of him. Had the to it, but you know they're still eating a lot of his salary. They gave Atlanta ten million. Full throttle, according to Tom Warner. Yeah, yeah, full throttle. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, full throttle. Tom, that's his new nickname. <laughs> Got a new TV show on NBC. Uh, I forget what it's called. Extended something or other. I don't know. Family. Extended family. That's what it is. Yeah. With Lenny Clark. Lenny Clark's in it. I know that. There's a guy we should have on the show sometime. Lenny He's Clark. ready to go. I talked to his brother. As soon as he gets back from L.A. after these shootings, he's, he's in. He, he wants to be on. Good. Good. He'll be great. He's hilarious. He'll have us in stitches. I, I, I love Lenny Clark, as they say. I don't know if you're a big fan of these comedy clubs, but funniest woman I've ever heard was Christine Hurley. I mean, sometimes women are more funny than guys, but this woman was unbelievable. All right. Well, I know that Ron Borges wanted to be on the show, so we can still waiting for him, right? Yeah. Got two minutes. Do you want to, oh, do you want to talk about craft and where we're going with this? Or do you want to wait? I think we should wait for Ron to come on All the right. show. That's probably right. Um, I think that uh, – does he make any New Year's resolutions, Bob? You know – <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. Honestly, I'm not even going to come up with some smart-ass answer like, yeah, I resolved not to make any resolutions. So, <laughs> All right. Live viewer comments show up on StreamYard. This is an example. Click on a comment to show it on the screen. How about yeah. that? That's pretty interesting. Yeah, next time we see a comment, hey, you guys go F yourself, you know. Hello, gentlemen. There he, there is. he is. The great Ron Borges. <laughs> yeah, right. Look at you guys. Can't look better than you two guys. Oh, yeah. Well, really? <laughs> we were just talking about New Year's resolutions. and 
facelifts were in our play, our future. <laughs> Gorgeous, little, how are you? Little knot behind the ear, and you're in good shape. <laughs> yeah, that's all. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, how's this thing going? I've seen it from time to time. It looks like yeah. it's going pretty good. Oh, it's a hit. It's a big hit, Ron. Really. <laughs> <laughs> if it's just a little hit, that's a good thing, you know. Yeah, that's right. That's that's right. Everybody seems to have a podcast, so it's competition is intense. <laughs> so let me just kind of introduce you as uh, Mike brings you in, and uh, we talked a little bit about your fearlessness and. You know, compared you in many ways to McDonough, two guys that were fearless that really could handle it with anybody. Uh, you're one of the great boxing writers of all time. You've won Massachusetts Sportscaster, Sports Writer of the Year five times, many boxing awards for your writing, and you've written for both the, the Herald and the Globe. And, you know, you're just pure Boston in many ways. And, been around the Patriots for a long time. You, not only your boxing, which your and your regular sports writing, and but your football writing is is one of your specialties. And of course, this is a big week. Mike and I have been, you know, kind of <laughs> leading up to it and saying, well, let's wait till board just gets on, and then we'll talk about what we think is going to happen because this week has been, uh, you know, yeah, it's going to be uh, uh, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, both this week and, and, and next week, uh, you know, I think I was around the Patriots for 37 of the 50 years I was a sports writer and uh, saw a lot of things, as you guys did, some wilder than others. Uh, but this one is kind of intriguing to me because, uh, you know, during the course of my career, I've seen this this sort of end for guys that I knew well, you know, like, like Shula and Landry and Ditka the second time around, and it sort of has that feeling to it, the same sort of thing that uh, um, something that everybody would have said, well, that's never going to happen. You know, he's going to ride off in the sunset. He'll be on the diamond vision, and they'll give him you a... Don't forget Lombardi went to Washington after Green Bay. Right, right. No, that's right. And, you know, this is... And it's funny because uh, when I listen to people talk about it here at the moment, and I get it, you know, uh, the three of us were around a long time. A lot, a lot of these people were, were not around a long time, but it's not as unusual and, and as uh, remarkable as it appears to be to the fan of the, uh, of the, you know, the Patriots fan of today, I don't think. Uh, but for them it is, of course, because he's the greatest coach in, uh, in the history of the team and one of the greatest coaches to ever coach. So when the end comes, uh, it usually takes this same sort of pattern, but it's a shock every time it happens and as it is this time. But all these great coaches were fired. Every one of them, every one of them. Uh, and that's not, that's just how it ends. You know, I mean, uh, you know, one of the things that makes them, made them great is not only their belief in themselves, but their sort of stubbornness uh, and, and faith in what they were doing. And I think uh, my dad told me many years ago, in most cases, your greatest strength is also your greatest weakness. And I think that's uh, what's happening now with, with Belichick. And I certainly saw it with, with Noel in particular, uh, not so much with Shula. It was different with Shula. It certainly had happened with Landry. You know, you, when you have so much success, and and who's had more success than Belichick, um, you you can get to the point where you're just so deeply entrenched in what you did and how you did it that you just don't listen to anybody anymore because uh, 
you look at the other person and say, well, here's my ring collection. What's yours? Now get out of my office. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a, a natural sort of thing almost. Well, what do you mean we can't do it this way? You know, I, I went to nine Super Bowls this way. How many did you go to? Uh, but unfortunately, times change and, and, and uh, the, the game changes. And I think for a guy who's had tremendous success, it, it can be really hard uh, to adjust. I know at one time Belichick, and I know this to be true, because he told one of my uh, friends in the league who he didn't know was a friend of mine in the, in the league that uh, it's been somewhat documented elsewhere that, you know, he could have done what he did here with with 15 different quarterbacks. Well, yeah, if it was Johnny Unitas and Joe Montana, maybe so, but not any 15 quarterbacks, uh, you know, that, that are flopping around in the league today. And I think that that was a, uh, a big yeah, mistake. Par- Parcells told me a long time ago, you, know, you can bull- you can bullshit. Just don't believe your own bullshit. You know, <laughs> and I think that's how he actually said that, Ronnie. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's a dangerous thing, you know, and I think it's happens to a lot of people uh, who have a lot of success. It's hard not to start believing in yourself. And I think if you look hard at the organization right now and some of the things that have happened in the last few years and what's going on there at the moment, I think and uh, uh, I think you'll see some things that reveal um why they're in the situation they're in now. What does that mean? Well, I mean, for example, uh, you know, uh, they're one of only four teams that, that doesn't have a sort of multi-person analytics department. And uh, I'm not much for analytics. I can barely balance my checkbook, but I, but I know they have some sort of use if you don't abuse them like Dan Campbell did over the weekend. Uh, but uh, he was asked, Belichick was asked not too long ago about, his position on uh, analytics and how much he used it. And he said, uh, less than zero. Well, I'm sure there's somewhat of a joke there, but uh, it's probably a problem. You know, he has uh, uh, a total of 18 assistant coaches. I've always sort of believed they have, they all have too many assistant coaches. Uh, But uh, the 49ers have 27 assistant coaches. They have almost as many offensive coaches in San Francisco, 14, as the Patriots have on their, on their, uh, on the total list of coaches, they have eight offensive coaches. So San Francisco has has almost twice as many. And and then you look at the sort of brain drain of uh, McDaniel's leaving and Ernie Adams leaving and uh, Ivan leaving and uh, Dante leaving, uh, Brian Flores leaving, and who were they replaced by? They were not replaced by, I would argue, equal experienced coaches they were they were replaced by kids why is that for the same reason i saw it happen with shula and others i don't really want to i don't feel the need to be in a in a debate or an argument with assistant coaches because look at all my rings look at all my championships and look at all the times i went to the championship game you think belichick thinks he's his instincts replace the analytics his instincts override the analytics yeah I think so. And I think he, he doesn't want the thing I, I saw with all those coaches I mentioned, Hank Stram's another one when he came back with New Orleans. Uh, they're much older now and they don't want any headaches. They don't want headaches, you know? So why does he not just tell that fat tub of goo left tackle of his to just pack his stuff and leave, which he would have done five or 10 years ago because it's too big a headache. So I'll talk to him. I'll give him a little more money when he's having a, you know, the, the first ever strike in that I've ever seen in my life during training camp. Usually you strike, you leave. You know, this guy stayed but went on strike. And he got $2 million more. 
did it work out? No, the guy still won't play. And he, you know, he, and I think that's a natural, uh, from what I've seen, reaction of older coaches. They don't don't want a lot of the headaches that come with the job, and so they either avoid it uh, by having a lot of sycophants around them, uh, or they avoid it by just sort of avoiding the kind of issue. I mean, Trent Brown, from everything I've been told, has been undermining the whole operation down there since training camp. And what happened last Sunday? He's an active scratch, and the next guy playing tackle is a uh, no disrespect, Lynchy, but is about uh, is probably better than your tackle at Harvard, but not by much. You know, I mean, it's like you're paying this guy, yeah, you're paying this guy millions of dollars, and you can't even get him to play. So let me let me let me, sure. ask, you, uh, let me ask you this: Way talking about analytics now, I, I I still think that one of the biggest losses over the last three or four years of the Patriots. It's the departure of Ernie Adams. Yeah, he was he was uh, Belichick's Alexa. I mean, anything <laughs> he asked, Ernie would come back with. Well, uh, someone was oh, the guy can't even couldn't even turn on a computer, right. but the guy knew every single everything about the league. He was a rain man, right? And 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 he it, you know on the headset. And I had the good fortune of you know doing that show for I don't know fifteen years or whatever. So I saw a lot of the raw tapes that never made air. But every single time Bill is pressing the button on his hip, he's going, what do we got Ernie? What do we got Ernie? What do we got Ernie? He's talking to nobody else but Ernie Adams every single game. Yeah, Ernie really was, in many ways, his analytics guy. <laughs> you, know? Uh, you know, his he, as you say, he remembered things from 20 years ago. You know, well, what about this? Well, this, 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 this. And uh, that was a big loss. Uh, and he didn't replace him with anything even close to. So there's been a brain drain down there uh, and obviously a talent drain, which we can get into a minute uh, in, in a minute. Uh, but when you, um, uh, when you combine the two together, you end up with what you've got now, which is uh, a consistently sort of sliding uh, performance until finally you hit what they have to hope is rock bottom. But frankly, it might not be, uh, uh, you know, they could end up whatever foreign, Whatever the math is, uh, four and thirteen, five and twelve. What's the difference? There's no real difference. Uh, I do think if he loses Sunday to the Jets, he may get fired right after the game. I mean, <laughs> may not get may not get to the locker room before yeah. he's fired. Uh, but uh, you know, they 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 just all dynasties end. I've told a bunch of my friends, this, uh, and there's rent longer than hardly any you can think of. Uh, and they all die the same way from dry rot. There's not a big explosion. It's just termites in the in the basement. And the next thing you know, they're in the den. Uh, and then the roof falls in. And this year, the roof fell in. Um, you know, uh, here's the interesting thing. Think about this. Under Belichick's watch, the Patriots have not re-signed a player that they drafted in the first three rounds since 2013. He's all those players they drafted between 2014 and now. They didn't want to re-sign one of them. Think wow. about that for a minute. Yeah, that is unbelievable. You know, yeah. and, and and really that should be the uh, the foundation of their team now should be from you know those drafts like 2019, 2020, 2018. Those guys with four or five uh, years experience, and hardly any of those guys are even in pro football anymore. Well, the question is, and maybe you just answered it, did, did they not re-sign him because they weren't productive or because 
they didn't want to spend the money. Well, I think it's uh, a, a little about the money, and in many cases about the production. You know, they they they, they their 2019 draft. I may be wrong about this, uh, but I don't think I am. Uh, you've heard that before. Uh, <laughs> um, I think uh, there's only one player from that draft in the league. <coughs> in the league. Oh. You know, so, you know, you go down 2017, they have one player from that draft on their team. Uh, 2018, they have one player from that draft on their team. 2019, they have zero players, uh, you know, from that team. Uh, you know, you look at some of their recent first round picks going back to like uh, 2014, which would be, uh, you'd be what, a nine year veteran. Uh, that was Dom Dominic Easley, gone. Malcolm Brown was the next year, gone. Sony Michelle, gone. Isaiah uh, uh, Wynn, gone to the, now playing for the Dolphins. And Mac Jones, he's going to be gone. You know, Cole Strange, just a guy. Uh, so even at the top of their drafts, uh, maybe Gonzalez is going to turn out to be a player. I, I personally think it's uh, too early to, to, to say for sure, but, you know, he certainly showed flashes. Uh, but that's a string of, of uh, almost 10 years where you would have netted one player if Gonzalez turns out to be a player yeah. uh, with your number one pick. Now, you had some years where you didn't even have a pick. Uh, and many of those guys were cut. You know, Nikhil Harry was cut. I mean, Isaiah Wynn was was cut. Uh, you know, it's it's. But I think, from what I've been told, that too is a reaction uh, of the old coach who. I may Kraft may spend millions of dollars on all this drafting stuff, but I got my friends, and that's who I talk to. I know there are many people in the organization who. When he said Nikhil Harry, they went, what? Uh, uh, John Gruden, when he was out with the Raiders, I have some uh, friends who were on the scouting staff out there at the time, said, you know, he'd walk in the draft room and look at their draft board and just pick some guy you know, from like the middle of the board. Like, Boom, we're, we're taking him. Like, what? <laughs> and, and I think when you when you have that, those kinds of things going on, and that's is that because he doesn't trust these other guys? Because you know they're younger guys. I don't know. Does he just think he's smarter than all those guys? Uh, I don't know. Um, but you're talking about a guy who was once a workaholic and now he doesn't go to the Senior Bowl. He was once a workaholic and now he doesn't go to the Combine. And look, I get it. It's all on film. You can watch it all. Uh, but he used to want to sit in those rooms at the Combine and listen to what these kids have to say. You know. We've all been to Indianapolis. I don't want to be there in February either, <laughs> but it's his job, you know. Let me ask the two of you. I want you to be screenwriters for just a second and do a Netflix uh, documentary on Kraft, Jonathan and Robert and Belichick. Do the documentary, you know, in a relatively short period of time and how you think that what you'd present to the public in this documentary, what you see the story happening? Well, I think a little bit. It's uh, in in Kraft's case, it's the aged king holding off uh, the eager prince from slaying uh, his his leading knight, which is Belichick, even though he has some doubts about his leading knight as well. I mean, I think frankly, if it was up to Jonathan. Uh, 
Bill might not have survived a year ago. Uh, right. um, now, what's going to happen here in the next week or two? Uh, I don't know because in Kraft's defense, it's very easy for the rest of us who don't have to make the decision to say, you know, keep them or get rid of them, wherever you stand on it. Uh, uh, but getting rid of them is is difficult. Um, even though he, I know he's pissed Kraft off many times, but they have also had a 20 year relationship, most of which was very successful. Not that easy to just come in and, and say off with his head. Uh, on the flip side, I think he looks at the trajectory of the team and what they put out there this year and what happened last year uh, with, you know, uh, Patricia and judge and, and, and Belichick seeming, at least in my opinion, to be more concerned about taking care of two of his friends than he was about, coaching his quarterback uh you know now patricia's gone off and he's destroying the eagles you know as, <laughs> as soon as they had him call on the defensive plays they haven't won a game set so uh you know it's um so i think it's hard for for Kraft, and i think he's got john i know he's got jonathan in his ear you know get rid of him get rid of his thing get rid of him um but then what do we do you know you got to have a plan you've got to say you know you guys have all heard Kraft say how many times? I measured nine times and cut once. Um, well, he measured one time with Brady and he cut once and he cut his throat. Uh, so, you know, you really, he doesn't want to see that repeated. Not that I think that that's the case. I mean, personally, I think it's time. It's, it's time to move on. Uh, it's just not worked out. Uh, but that's the tension. Uh, if you're writing something for Netflix, that's the tension, you know. That is the tension. That is the tension. That's yeah. really, uh, Mike, you have, feel free to add to that. Feel well, free to. You know, here was a guy who would once um, uh, trade his mother if he thought it would help his football team. Right. And now I think he's the type of guy that said, let's keep it. Let, let's bring all our, all our allies, all our friends close, the judge, the Patricia thing, his two sons that are coaching. Um, I, we haven't really replaced Nick Casario. We haven't replaced Ernie Adams. We haven't replaced a lot of these guys that were instrumental in the in the success of this team. And I think Bill is is just blind to all this stuff right now. Um, and it, it's 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 kind of like a Shakespearean tragedy a little bit. Um, yes. You know, he just doesn't realize that the walls are, are caving in, and and he's the only one there saying, "Nope, everything's all right." You know, he's sticking his finger in the dike and. And, um, you know, I'll plug another leak here. But they have, they have now, in the last three years, the separation between them and the rest of the league has gotten like this. Right. And, you know, we don't have a game. I mean, look at Debo, uh, uh, City Lamb, you know, the Cowboys. Uh, Debo, Debo, we don't have a, a guy, a, a, a threat that can score a touchdown from any point on the field. We don't have – Evan. I keep saying we. I don't mean we. Um, the Patriots don't have. And unless you rip this whole thing apart from top to bottom, you're not going to have anybody. I, I, I go back to Jimmy Johnson, what he did with the Cowboys you right. know, from, from top to bottom. That's what has to happen, I think, here. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right. You know, there's been a lot of decisions made that, that were um, – no, no, each individual decision wasn't fatal. But when you added them up, it was fatal. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think you're right. I think – Bill is in such a cocoon uh, that he can't really see it for what it is, you know. Uh, and, and look at what he said Sunday. 
basically if you watch this post game, uh, which I'm happy not have to do, I must say, but I did watch this, <laughs> watch the last one because I wanted to see what he was going to say. And one of the things he went right to was, well, if we didn't have these turnovers, you know, and then, then he went on to say about it was, you know, all these one score losses they've had. Well, the average NFL losses by six points. So every crappy team has a lot of one score losses, you know, and that goes back to the part. Baltimore's, Baltimore's got their losses have been by one score. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, look at uh, uh, you know, Barcelona's yard, what your record says you are. And and uh, I, I think maybe Belichick, like a lot of guys, uh, now you don't want to see that. I mean, a few weeks ago or whenever it was, uh, to get it, maybe it was before the season, somebody asked why the fans should be optimistic, if you remember that. And his response was, uh, well, uh, the last 25 years or the last 20 years, he never would have said that. This is a guy who didn't live in the last year, let alone the last yeah, you know, and if a player came in and said, "Hey, three years ago I was a hell of a player," you know, he throw him out of the room, and and now those are the things you're hearing. Well, if we hadn't have done this, well, why'd you have all those turns? Because your quarterback stinks, because your offensive line is terrible, and because you don't have any wide receivers. That's why you turn the ball over. You know, it, it's uh, and you chose to get rid of you know the greatest quarterback of of his generation, uh, who was. Uh, I wrote this one time about Brady. Uh, Brady was like a parish priest. He forgave the sins of others. And, and, and now they don't have any parish priests. You know, they got nothing but heathens. <laughs> There's a lot of sins going on. Uh, and, and, and I think, too, and I know people don't like to hear this. Uh, Bill Belichick. Uh, I've been blessed to be around a lot of great teams and great coaches. When I was on the West Coast, the Raiders were great. And they won almost all the time. Uh, I was two years in Baltimore. Earl Weaver was there one year. They were, they they make it to the last game of the season. Next year they win the World Series. So I've been I've been lucky to have see more good than bad. Uh, but I used to tell Parcells uh, the only difference between me and you on the day of the game is that I'm sitting down and you're standing up. And he always used to get mad about it. You know? But he did. <laughs> but he also conceded to me. You know, you're right. Coaches lose more games than they win. The players are winning the games. The players are making the plays. Now, you football, you sure you need good coaches. There's no question about that. Um, but in 11 years as a head coach, without Tom Brady, um, Belichick's winning percentage is 443. As that's below Rex Ryan's. That's 11 years. That's a big sample. You know, if it's two years, you can say, well, anything can happen. Um, you know, he's 83 and 100 without Tom Brady. So since Brady left, he's 29 and 37. So over those 11 years, he's 83 and 100, which is a winning percentage of, of four, four, five, four. In the last four years without Brady, he's 29 and 37, a winning percentage of four, four, oh, identical. So who was the genius? Who was really the genius? You know, it was the quarterback as it was with the, with uh, the Steelers and as was with the 49ers, you know, uh, I was just to tell people back in the day, you know, I was one of the few people who was around Bill Walsh's West coast offense, uh, before Joe Montana got there and nobody was talking about how smart it was that Steve DeBerg was the quarterback and they won six games and, and we say, he didn't know what he was doing, you know? So it's, it's, it's the trigger men and the other players, you know, uh, in that famous playoff game against the Colts, when Ty law had three interceptions, 
if you remember, he made that one diving one there on the sidelines. He looked yep. like, uh, you know, Jerry Rice. All three of those plays, he came off his assignment. In fact, the diving one on the sidelines, he hauled over Rodney Harrison. Take my man. I'm going to get the ball. And because he knew, you know, because he was a student of the game. He watched the tons of film. He had tremendous athletic ability, as you guys all know. But that wasn't coaching. That was him. That Hang was on, him. Ronnie. Mike's got a question he's going to ask you. And then sure. I have to inter interject a couple things here. But this is fascinating stuff. And uh, it's great to hear from you and your opinions about this. And I'll uh, do my Netflix thing in a minute. But this is about, <laughs> about campers and getting ready for 2024 with a new RV, a recreational vehicle. Cold Springs RV is the latest in pop-ups, travel trailers, fifth wheelers, and motorhomes. And remember, Ron, the question Mike's going to ask you is coming up in just a second. What's it's the highlight of the show. When you need an RV or a service, or get to Cold Springs and wear New Hampshire right now because winter storage is all about what you need. Uh, check out all new Winnebago Access Travel Trailers now on their lot. So don't forget them, Loby and Mike Lynch. We sent you. Just tell them. It's not going to break you to say we sent you, but it sure will help us. Learn more at coldspringsrv.com. Ron Borges, uh, the question to you from Mike Lynch. Yes, sir. All right, here you go, Ron. Yep. We all know John Madden had a Madden cruiser because he didn't like to fly. Right. Uh, since we don't pay anybody to come on the show, we, we're trying to make an arrangement with Cold Springs RV to build a Lowy cruiser, and uh, and you get to take it cross country. Pay anybody to do the show <laughs> <laughs> from from Washington. Uh, I, I didn't think my microphone was on. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll fly you back, but you have to pick one person that rides shotgun with you all the way across the country. You drive the RV. And who's going to be riding shotgun with Ron Borges? Who you'd like to have a conversation with? Ooh, got to be a sports person or anybody? It can be anybody. Sports person, news person, historian, deceased, alive, doesn't matter. Who would I? Who would I like to? See, this is why it's so good because it's, yeah. kind of, you know, it kind of makes you think a little bit and. Uh, Upton said Taylor Swift. That's well, funny. yeah, that's good. He'd have a heart attack before he got to Chicago if he was riding with Taylor Swift. Well, putting a woman aside, because it have to would have to be my wife. Um, good boy. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm no dupe, dope. Who? <laughs> um, boy, I got to think about that for another minute. I'll tell you who. Uh, Johnny Unitas, who to me was the greatest quarterback who ever lived. Uh, really. Yeah, because he called his own plays. He ran the show. Uh, he was as tough uh, as you could be. Uh, he and Shula aided each other, which is, you know, uh, filled with stories about that. Really? Uh, but, he, yeah, oh, yeah, there's a, I'll tell you a great story about Unitas. Shula wasn't that much older than Unitas when he first took over the Colts as a coach. And he had been a backup defensive back uh, with the Colts when Unitas was there. And then he finished up his career with the Redskins, and he wasn't very good. All the Unitas remembered about Don Shula was that he was just burning him every time in practice. And so, <laughs> so they're getting ready for a game, and Shula and he have already had a bunch of clashes. And Shula tells them that uh, I forget if I remember right, they were playing the Chicago Bears, and he tells them we picked up a tell, and when when they come into an all-out blitz, we're going to give you a signal. And if you, if, when we signal, just go to a nine route and fire it. 
because it's going to be wide open. You know, he just looks at him like, oh, yeah, okay. But the time comes. They see what they want. They give him uh, the sign. He drops back to throw the nine route. There's no blitz. Everybody's covered. He's got to throw the ball out of bounds on third down. They turn the ball over. He comes to the sidelines, and, and Johnny had a, uh, if you guys will remember, when he would really peeve, he'd put his hands on his hips, and he was, he was sort of slooped shoulder uh, like that. And he's staring at Shula from the middle of the field. As Shula, and everybody on the team knows why he's staring at Shula. And so obviously so does Shula. So he comes to the sidelines. And as he's walking by, Shula turns and says, and I got this story verified by Upton and others. Shula says, hey, John, you know, okay, we didn't have it, but don't look at me like that again. And United said, hey, coach, if you don't know what you're doing, don't F up my game. And he went and sat down. And, you know, and he played in a time that, uh, look, we all admire these quarterbacks today and they're, they're doing. They're putting up all these, you know, crazy numbers. Uh, but if those guys had to play under the duress that Johnny Unitas and other guys played, uh, and the receivers played, they don't have these numbers at all. I know Johnny Unitas could play today and put up, you know, silly numbers. I'm not so sure very many of these guys today could play in the 1950s and 60s and get the crap kicked out of them. Uh, the famous story against the Bears, Ed Obradovich was a famous dirty defensive end for the Bears, comes in, and just as United has released, has released the ball, and Obradovich comes in and forearms him right in the face, breaks his nose, sends him flying, he's down on the ground, he's bleeding like crazy, and the famous referee, Tommy Bell, was the referee for the game. So they have so much respect for Unitas. Unitas is laying there on the ground, he's bleeding, and Tommy Bell leans in and says, John, it's okay. Take as much time as you need, meaning to get himself together. And Unitas uh, uh, supposedly said back, Tommy, shut up and blow the whistle. <laughs> <laughs> and today, what do you see with quarterbacks? Oh, he touched me. Oh, he hit my receiver. Oh, he breathed at me. Oh, he went low. He went high, you know. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I'd be fascinated with, with, with him. Uh, and, of course, you know, Raquel Welch in her prime would have been pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be stupid. <laughs> I'm dating myself there, but <laughs> no, 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 not really. So I'll give you a quick synopsis of uh, of the Patriots. Yeah, and the three of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. First of all, they're all somebody in the room's got to stand up and be an adult. They're all children. They're yes. all big ego-driven children with lots of money. No, money's not a problem for any of them. Egos, they got plenty of ego to go around. So you're wondering, well, what is the problem? What, you know, what, is it ego? Is it money? What is the problem that separates the three of them? So I'm Kraft, and Jonathan's over here, and Bill's over here. And I'm telling Bill, Bill, you're the greatest coaching mind uh, we've ever had and the league has ever had. But what has undermined the greatest coaching mind has been the Bill, the general manager, has undermined Bill, the coach. Bill, the general manager, has undermined Bob, the owner. Bill, the general manager, has we've got to make a move on Bill, the general manager. We can't continue with Bill as the general manager. What do you think about that, coach? And then now I'm leaving it up to you to, to fill in the We'll be back after this 30-second message on Netflix. 
So now I'm thinking I'm leaving it up to you for Belichick. To, what would your answer be? Because it's Bill, the general manager, that has fucked this thing up. Excuse right. me. Right. Well said. Uh, <laughs> well, the problem is you you can't trust Bill, the general manager, or Bill, the coach. If he agrees to it and says, okay, I'll just coach the team. I'll let Mike Lynch pick the players. The problem is uh, the coach can undermine and destroy any player. So you can bring in Johnny Unitas. You can bring in anybody. If he doesn't want to use them, he'll find ways to make sure he doesn't use them. So you can't really trust them in that sense. Or if you say, okay, you just coach. Someone else will be the general managers. But you can approve them. Well, the only person he's going to approve is somebody who's going to do what he says, like the kid they got there now. Okay, uh, so then Bill, coach, I'm sorry. You got to go. It's the case. We have yeah. no choice. I mean, right. you really kind of answered it, Bill, the coach. You know, you, we thank you for your service. You've been a great guy to work with. We've had great success. But we all need to go in our own, in our own separate ways. Right. And I, and I think it's, as again, if you look back in the history, you know, whether you're looking at Landry or, or Shula uh, or Noel or Stram or Ditka, and if I thought a little further, I could find others um, of these great coaches. Uh, this is how it ends. It doesn't end with a whimper, you know. This is how it ends because grow up. Somebody in that room's got to grow up and be an adult. Well, that would be nice, but if they were, if they were in that, they wouldn't be in the business they're in. If they're, <laughs> if they're adults, you know, part of the reason that just get in is the same with us. Why do we do what we do? To be kids. No, I think that's fair too. Yeah, you know, uh, and and there is ego involved because, uh, you know, each person involved if you ask Kraft and you put him on a lie detector desk who was the most important person to Patriot success it would be Bob Kraft if you put Belichick it would be Bill Belichick and frankly if you put Brady it would be Tom Brady and he'd be the one who would be right but that's the way each guy looks at it you know and and uh for for for, for Belichick um you know he he's for all the things that he demands of players, he doesn't always demand it of himself. Uh, you know, the sort of selfishness, you know, putting uh, uh, the uh, the team ahead of yourself. I mean, Malcolm, uh, what's his name, Butler? Or really, uh, you know, that was putting the team ahead of yourself. No. Do we really know the story, Ron? What's that? Do we really know the Malcolm Butler Well, story? the story I was always told uh, was that uh, – he got in an argument with uh, uh, Stephen. What's his, uh, with the son and with the with the defensive coordinator who was his, you know, Patricia, who was his surrogate son, <clears throat> and it got heated. So he was going to show him who was important, who was more important. You know, that's always what I was told. I mean, do, was I there? Did I see it? No, that's what always what I was told. Um, and he cut off his nose to spite his face, really. And that, yeah. Now I don't know if, in the end, if it would, would have made a difference. You know, the Eagles. It was their day. You know, they were uh, to, to some degree. Uh, the guys they had out there couldn't cover me, uh, and and certainly couldn't cover anybody who was playing for the Eagles that day. So, uh, you know, again, as I said earlier, uh, and look, Belichick was. was I've been around a lot of great coaches and managers. He was one of the greatest coaches I've ever 
scene. Not necessarily the greatest, but because uh, uh, I think in many ways Joe Gibbs was that guy. You know, he won Super Bowls with with quarterbacks that have to buy a ticket to get in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, he's one of the few. Uh, usually they win because they have the best quarterback. But there's no question the guy's a brilliant football mind and was obsessed for a long time. You know, he's 70, almost 72 years old. Um, is he really as focused all the time uh, as he was when he was 42 years old? Maybe, but I find it highly unlikely. You know, while at the same time taking on more responsibility because he's got all these children as assistant coaches. Well, there's the other part. I mean, he he leaves, whether the word is fired, abdicates, thrown, whatever, whatever you want to say. But he's got two other families he's got to take with him wherever he's going. Right. So this is, you know, more. But money's really not the problem. I mean, what are you going to do? Move to to couple families all the way to San Francisco or, or all the way to LA or what, you know, what do you, so right. it does get a little complicated. The well, pay- think if you guys were new coaches, you're the new, you're, you're, Bob, you're the new coach and Mike, you're the new general manager. There's a new broom coming here. You're going to keep Belichick's sons on the staff. General manager. I want to be the general manager. <laughs> all right. There you go. You be it. Mike can coach. Uh, but you know, you want to keep the, the, the sons of the former coach? No, no. Absolutely not, because we're on the phone every day. Hey, can, yeah, can we have a Lobel's doing. He can, what, a, what a moron this guy is. You know? right. And it doesn't mean here. they're not even capable at their jobs. They might be, but I don't want them there. You know, I, <laughs> why would I trust them? So, you know, there's a lot of factors, Bob, as you point out. Uh, and I just don't think it can work. Uh, for example, I could see Belichick going someplace else and taking a, a lesser role in personnel. But he's not going to do it here. Right. You know, and, and we've seen that many times with uh, people who are willing to be a backup someplace else, but I'm not going to be a backup here. Uh, so there's a lot of things, uh, a lot of balls in the air. I think it's a hard, in the end, in my mind, it's an easy move for Kraft, but it's also a really difficult move. If you can be dispassionate, it's easy. So if, but, if, if this yeah. decision is, is made, is this going to be swift, like ripping off a Band-Aid on Monday morning, January 8th? Uh, I don't think it'll be that swift. I mean, they, they will probably meet. It's usually Tuesday or Wednesday of the week after the season when, when he and, and Kraft meet because, you know, the day after the game, they get a, there's a lot of personnel things they have to deal with and players leaving and, and uh, exit interviews and all that sort of stuff. So that kind of kills Monday. Uh and, and Tuesday is a lot of dealing with the assistant coaches and, and some of that. So I could see them maybe Tuesday night meeting. Uh, I don't think he's Kraft's going to come out after the game and say, you know, that's it. Now I know some people have said he's already made the decision. Other people seem to think hint that he's waffling. I haven't talked to him, so I don't want to profess to know. Um, I don't think it's an easy decision, but I think it's a decision that has got to be made. It's time. Well, I think if you're the father and you want to, don't you want to do the firing and keep your son? You know, if, you, if the son is going to be the, the inheriting yeah. guy, you know, you're going to take, you're going to do the job and clear the decks before your son takes over. Oh, sure, right. No, exactly. I mean, I think in the end, uh, the one thing I would say, I was advising Kraft. The one thing I would tell him not to do, and you guys may disagree, 
don't get into some trying to leverage this thing to get a draft pick from some other team. If he wants to go someplace, just let him go. Let him go. Whatever you get, you're going to blow the pick anyway, probably, number one, nine <laughs> times out of ten. Number, It's just not with bad karma. You know, he, he's done Fair. a good service for most of the time he's here. You know, he's won you trophies upon trophies. If, he, if it's time to go and he's got another place to go, just let him go. That's just my opinion. You guys may disagree. Do you think uh, Belichick is uh, will stay in this this league in this game long enough to beat Shula if he is fortunate enough to get a team that can put the ball across the goal line? Yeah, that's the tough one. You know, he's because not that easy to move. You know, uh, he has lamented. Uh, we actually talked a little bit more than people thought. Uh, sometimes we yelled, but uh, but we did talk from time to time. And uh, one of the things he told me one time was, it's uh, the hardest thing about going somewhere someplace else is building the organization, not the coaches, you know, so much, but the rest of it. Uh, and does he really want to do that all over again? I mean, look, he, he doesn't like Shula. Shula's the guy who kept calling him a cheater and would never use his name uh, in a sentence. Uh, call him Bella Cheat, uh, as you guys will recall. So I'm sure that he would like nothing better than to win more games than Don Shula. Uh, but if you're an adult about it, like Bob was talking about, what do you need that for? You got more rings than Shula had fingers. You know, you know what do you need? Okay, so you got 347 wins. Why? Because he stayed around for a long time. And usually the guy with the most wins also has the most losses. And that's just a function of being, you know, being around for him. Does he really need to beat him uh, in that area? Um, and do you want to start over? I think it's very hard uh, at his age. As all these other guys found out who came back, uh, Marv Levy found out when he came back in Buffalo, you know, it's just not the same. You know, it's not the same. And you don't have the energy for it all. Uh, and you've got to have to deal with, you go into a new organization, you're going to have to deal with those guys who remain behind, who, as you say, Lynch, you're on the phone, you know, trying to stab you in the back. Yeah. And you got to sort that all out. Uh, now, if he had a ready-made slot, you know, there's a team uh, that's, maybe underachieved a little bit, but is actually uh, right on the cusp. And they've got a quarterback. Maybe you go. Uh, I think the other problem he's going to have is I don't think he's going to be as hot a commodity as, uh, as you might think. Yeah, I agree with you there. You know, I mean, these owners all talk. You know, they know he's not the easiest guy to uh, – uh, not the easiest employee to have around, you know. Um, I what Kraft would bring Kraft the most love? Uh, Ron, which we know is uh, what would bring Kraft the most love, which we know is a very huge commodity in his portfolio. Right. How much he's uh, adored and loved. Would it be keeping him or would it be letting him go? Well, I think that the, the thing that would really bring him the most love is that he convinced Belichick it's time to retire and they have a love fest on the way out. And there's a big to do, you know, uh, uh, and everybody, at least on the surface, appears to be well satisfied. I don't think either one of them have the personalities for that. Uh, I, but I think personally, as I said, that the next best thing is to just let him go. If he wants to go, let him go. Um, now, the other factor is there's $25 million on the table. So I don't know, I can't speak for you guys who are highly successful TV no, people. Everybody, I could use a spare 25 million, you know, so fire me. I want the money, you know. You, you, you can speak for us on that. And that's 
<laughs> you know, feel free. Right. Feel free. I remember uh, I, I saw a thing a little while back, and I can't remember the guy's name. Oh, Ed Ogeron, you know, who was the coach at LSU, the guy who yeah. Uh, yeah. for a while ended up getting fired. He, whenever he talked, he sounded like he'd been smoking eight packs right. of cigarettes. <laughs> so our great interview is, and he was telling the story about they called him in, and they said they were, they wanted to get rid of him, and uh, they owed him seventeen million dollars, and you know, the, the, he was going to get the seventeen million dollars, and he and he said, "Well, I just said, where do I pick up the money?" You know, I mean, he was happy to go. So, <laughs> yeah. So if you if you said, you know, we'll pay you the leave, uh, that I don't think is likely to be uh, the case. Although if they fire him, obviously they're going to have to pay him. Um, if uh, yeah, you know, the other way to do it is you call them in and you say, look, you know, this rodeo is over, but you got one year left on your contract. We'll let you coach it out. Maybe you beat the record. Maybe you don't. But you're not picking the players. You're just coaching the team. And maybe if he doesn't have good other options, he says, okay, I'll take the $25 million. To himself, he says, I'll sabotage whoever <laughs> whoever they bring in, and, and maybe I get the wins I need, and if I don't, I don't. Uh, I just think the problems they have there, as you, Mike, pointed out, there's so many holes uh, offensively. Uh, you just can't plug them all. And so you fix this hole, but now you still got a hole over here, and this guy over here who wasn't a hole, but now he's a little older, so he's a problem. And you've got Mayo sort of, you know, uh, lurking over yeah, it all. Ron will go through this again exactly this time next year doing this yeah. whole speculation thing. Right. Sure. Unless, we'll, you know. We'll go unless, through that and it'll be much more about, okay, who's coming in? Who's going to be the new GM? Who's he going to hire as coach? Blah, blah, blah. It'll be, right. you know, who's the OC? Who's the DC? And it's, it's all, you know, right. it'll be the same old conversation. Sure. And if, if you two guys, either one of you were, were Bob Kraft, and I've thought about this part a lot, uh, what what my reaction would be. But you guys are Bob Kraft. You know your team needs a rebuild, and you're probably going to get a shot at one of these top quarterbacks that are coming up. Now, half the time those guys don't make it, but still, uh, you know, you're probably going to be in position to get one of the top three quarterbacks coming up. In light of what you've seen in these last – four or five years. Do you want the guy who's coaching the team now developing that quarterback? Because if you go all the way back to Cleveland to this day, you tell me the quarterbacks that he's that quote unquote developed other than Tom Brady. I thought Vinny Cristoverdi stepped in for him in Cleveland. Yeah, he was a hundred years old. You know, I mean, that's a, you know so. that was what you know big count controversy out there it was Kosar versus Testaverdi. Right. That's right. And, you know, he was right about Kozar. The Kozar's arm was, was shot, but he was – Testaverde wasn't the answer. So if you got to go through a rebuild and you've got to nurture a young quarterback, uh, do you want this guy to be the guy to do it? Um, probably not. Ronnie, are you, are you still on the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame committee? Yes, sir. Yep. I'll be, uh, we'll I'll be, be arguing for Rodney Harrison on January 16th and 17th. I'm with you. I'm with you with him. What about the owner, Robert Kraft? Uh, will he will he get in? What's the what's the what's the sentiment that you, you you hear from other people on the committee? Well, you know that's a that's a subcommittee that's separate for that's I'm on the senior committee and I'm on the regular committee. I'm not on the on the uh, 
participants committee, as it's called, which is a sort of non-football guys, although I would vote ultimately in the, in the final. Um, I think he's, from what I can tell, I think uh, he's lost some steam because of what's happened since Brady left. You know, uh, at the time Brady uh, was here, you know, there's, it was all about him, the three of them, Belichick, Kraft, uh, and Brady. Then Brady leaves, he wins someplace else. Now Bruce Arians is a genius. And Bruce is a, a friend of mine, but he ain't no genius. Uh, <laughs> you know, suddenly he was a genius. Uh, and I think that as these years have gone, these last four years have passed, and uh, they don't seem to have any solutions, I think it's hurt his chances a little bit. Now, look, to me, he's got a strong argument. First off, he saved football for Boston and New England. If he didn't buy the team, the team was gone. And he could have taken the $75 million and just let him go to get out of the lease, stadium lease, uh, which he didn't do. Uh, he built a stadium without using much in, in uh, taxpayer funding. Uh, obviously, he was he's involved in a lot of these TV deals and in the labor deal. Uh, so I think there's you know, many reasons to, uh, uh, for him to get in. He made the league a lot of money. He made the league a lot of money, no question. But whether he's going to get there, uh, I don't know, because if they have another bad year next year, now you're talking about five or six years removed from winning anything. And you guys know, you don't have to be gone too long before people forget who you were. You know, it's a, a friend of mine went to a hockey game at Providence College and, uh, uh, and he was in the press box and he was talking to a young kid who was the SID there. And yes, you know, my son's a hockey player, so I'm kind of into the hockey thing. So he says to this kid, uh, oh, you know, Ron Borges? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. He says, oh, he's a friend of mine. He goes, yeah, I think he passed away. <laughs> and you know that's what happens you know you're not out there for three or four years and you're dead <laughs> so it doesn't take doesn't take long you know uh, i know he wants it and and uh you know when you look at the recent guys we've put in eddie DeBartolo and and and, and jerry jones he's, he's certainly more qualified than either one of those guys uh, yeah. in my opinion um so i hope he gets it uh, and i hope he gets it pretty soon i hope he gets it at a time when he can enjoy the party um, but he, you know, he, I, I was not in the room where that committee debated him this year, but I was told that he, he wasn't as strong a candidate as he was the previous couple of years. Um, That's so, so we'll have to have to see. And, uh, and I'm hoping we can get Rodney in this year, you know, cause it's, I don't know how you can have a team to win six Super Bowls and only got two players uh, in the hall of fame how they win all those games, you know, it's just, uh, but Rodney's, you know, Rodney's got a tough road because in part, because, you know, he came here, as you guys know, with all that baggage of being a dirty player, which I've talked to a lot of guys who played against him, most of whom don't believe he was a dirty player. You know, he was on the edge a lot, you know, yep. he was whatever the edge of the rules was, that's where he lived. Um, but most of them, you know, did not, do not consider him a dirty player, but I think that's a, that hurts him. I think the steroid thing hurts him. Uh, I'm going to have to explain that uh, as best I can. Um, he came right out in the steroid thing. He said, yeah, I need it. I was, I was getting older. I, it was a, a fast way for me to, to rehab uh, my injury. Right. And um, he just, you know, it didn't chase him around like Clemens, you know, who's it, it's going right. to chase him to his grave. He right. just got it. He came right out, put it on the table. And uh, I mean, you on the committee, you know better better than I do. But for my money, 
that thing is just may i'm sorry goes a long way yeah no i agree with you. he was a stand-up guy he wasn't trying to say you know somebody slipped me a mickey or you know i don't know somebody told me to rub this on my ear and this is what happened um you know you're right he was stand up about it and the truth of it is in football uh i used to have this argument with peter gammons because uh, if you spent all your life uh as you did lynchy too since i was six years old either playing football, coaching football, or writing about football. Uh, I didn't have to go into too many baseball locker rooms to know those guys were juicing their brains out. And, and, <laughs> and Gammons and those guys, nah, nah. I said, you just don't get it. I remember he said to me one time, you know, what good would it do? I said, what good would it do? It turns a 427-foot fly ball out to center field to a 453-foot home run. That's what difference it makes, you know. And then certainly in the NFL, I mean, come on. Who's kidding who? Look at these guys. You know, look at these guys. I mean, if the three of us went to the mall on a Saturday and we're going to sit at the mall all day and we're going to wait to see one guy walk by who looks like these guys, <laughs> we'd be at a lot of malls for a lot of weekends before that guy walked by. You know, yeah. it's just uh, so uh, if anybody's holding that against them and I'm not sh- saying that they that they that they are, um, but it's something you have to address. So it's going to be an interesting debate. It's uh I do. Th- I've, I've done some work, statistical work on him. Uh, his stats are better than John Lynch. They're the equal of Brian Dawkins, who are two safeties we just put in over the last few years. Uh, so, what will be the grounds for Rodney Harrison not to be in there? You know, that he won more than those guys did because he did. Uh, you know, I mean, he's there's two players in the history of the league with uh, 30 sacks and 30 in- interceptions: Rodney Harrison and Ray Lewis. Uh, this is a pretty good first step, you know, toward the hall. So, uh, so I'm hopeful. Uh, and as for Kraft, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful as well. Um, but they got to win again. Why is Probably. he been, Mike? Let's go back to his silence on this matter. Yeah. Let's assume he's hired somebody as a crisis control manager. I guess he's probably been advised to keep silent. If he was not, if he was going to keep the guy, he would have already said we're going to keep him. Oh yeah, if I was him, I would say I was advising him. I actually believe it or not, I actually said this to him one time when, uh, right after I, uh, uh, I left the newspaper business, I said uh, we were talking, and I said, you know what you need? I said you need to hire somebody like me. I said I'm not saying me, but you need to hire somebody like me to be in the office next to you, and the only person I have to talk to is you. And he started laughing. And, and, and what would you do? And I said, I'd be the guy who comes in and listens to everybody else and says, that guy's full of shit. You know, this is bullshit what they're telling you. You know, and, and everybody needs a guy like that, you know, who's uh, yeah, who, who, who also can look at him and say, no, Bob, that's not the way to go. Uh, I think if I was advising him in this case, I think he's doing exactly the right thing to do. Say what? Unless I'm going to come out and say he's my guy, there's nothing to say. Well, I'm, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Well, that doesn't help you, you know. Now you're waffling, you know. I know what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to tell you. That, that doesn't help. Um, and well, I'm going to fire him at the end of the season. That's no good. So I think he's actually doing the right uh, right thing. There's, at this point, there's nothing to say. Uh, does he already know? Probably, you know, to, to a degree at least he probably knows. Uh but things can change, you know, at the last minute. Belichick can come in and make a compelling case. I know one of the things that I found it interesting because this, if you guys go back and watch Belichick's post-game press conference uh, last, this past weekend, he sounded like every guy was trying to 
hold on to his job that I've ever heard. You know, well, if it wasn't for the turnovers, you know, we win the game. Well, you know, we lost a bunch of games by by one score. You know, well, you know, the guys are really playing hard. You know, in other words, you know, look, you know, it's not me, it's the quarterback. It's not me. It's a, uh, and there's a lot of truth to some of that. They have played hard for them. A lot of teams would have cashed in their chips, you know. Um, and that, to me, is part of the dilemma for Kraft is how much weight do you put on in any of those things as opposed to four years of going down, 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 down. I mean, they've, uh, they haven't won a playoff game in five years. Uh, you know, they haven't drafted well. Uh, this past draft may have been pretty good, but certainly the foundation of their team isn't there. Uh, and who's responsible for that? The guy who's coaching the team. Um, so it's it's – I don't relish him having to make this decision because it's uh, there's so many factors on both sides. But I would just look at it personally. Uh, I know a lot of people say, well, you never liked Belichick in the first place. It's not about liking and not liking. The guy was a great football coach. Um, but he's a, he's a great 72-year-old football coach who's made a lot of mistakes in the last five years. Not a few, a lot. In terms of picking players, uh, Picking the coaches, who on earth would do what, what they did last year with a second-year quarterback? I'm going to make the offensive coordinator a guy who's never coached anything but defense, and the quarterback coach a guy who just got fired as a head coach because he was utterly incompetent, and otherwise is a special teams coach. And those guys are going to coach my quarterback. And in addition, I'm going to make the offensive coordinator also the offensive line coach, who, as Mike knows, coming from a family of coaches. What does the offensive line coach do for every second that his offensive line is off the field? He's talking to them. He's not thinking about the next play I'm going to call. So now you got poor Patricia. He's never called a play before. He's trying to figure that out. He's got an offensive line that's a mess. I got to go talk to those guys, but I can't talk to those guys because I got to talk to the quarterback because the guy talking to the quarterback is a special teams. You know, it was it was insane. Um, so I think. If I was Kraft, I would look at those kinds of things, step back from the rest of it, and say, wait a minute, you know, what's going on here? You know, has he just kind of happens to all of us, except for Lobel? You know, the rest of us slow down a little bit, you know? <laughs> and just uh, it's gotta be an adult in the room. Grow up, yeah. you got the money, you know what? Relax, calm right. down, grow up, move on, life's short. Right. And I don't know. A 72-year-old coach and an 80-year-old owner, life is short. So calm down and enjoy the rest of it. No, that's right. I mean, and the other thing is about thinking about this season, and Mike, I addressed this to you because, you know, your dad was a famous coach. Uh, When I coached, you know, there were certain penalties committed that were on the players, in my opinion, you know. But not too many men on the field. That's not on the players. That's on me and my assistant coaches. You know, uh, if I got a guy jumping offside all the time, that's on my me and my coaches. Uh, you know, it's this guy and then it's this guy. Okay, it's, but when it's happening, repeat. I'm how many times this season have they had twelve men on the field, yeah. ten men on the field? That was a coaching problem. Yeah. You know, I mean, no, you know, yeah. you can you can say the kid's a nitwit, you know, and maybe he is a nitwit, but those are coaching problems. And I think that that as I've watched them this year. Uh, this is really the first season where I felt there were in-game coaching issues. Uh, is that going to improve by going from 71 years old to 72 years old? Uh, <clears throat> sure. Speaking of in-game coaching issues, uh, 
before you came on, we talked about the Alabama play call in the last uh, in the overtime. Did were you watching that game? Did I was. See, yeah. yeah. Did you see that the Alabama last play? And I did. I did. What was that, with talk about coaching issues? What the hell was with that? Well, if that big fat offensive lineman who pulled out had actually blocked somebody, that might have helped a little bit. He just stood there and didn't hit anybody. But yeah, that's certainly not the play I would have run. You know, I mean, uh, it was pretty. I thought they were going to boot him. I mean, he's not the world's greatest runner because he's not that fast. But I thought if, if nothing else, they'd boot him out a little bit. And, right. Uh, you know, uh, because correct me if I'm wrong, but when did they blow him off the line of scrimmage the whole game? It wasn't like Alabama's offensive line was knocking them back. Right. You, I, I went and watched the replay, uh, which will show you how sick I am, uh, four or five times. They didn't move a single Michigan defender off the line of scrimmage on that play. Not one. So it, it, it was that play was dead from the time they came out of the huddle. So, yeah, now that was that was. Yeah, Mike wanted to know about you. What do you thought about Detroit, too, didn't you, Mike? Well, yeah, the. Uh, uh... <laughs> This to me, this reporting is eligible. Right. Why can't? Why do they have to report? Why can't the defense just figure it out and say, okay, who's the guy on the end of the line of scrimmage? Okay, he's an eligible receiver, even though he's wearing number sixty-eight. Why do they have to report? And why do we have to announce to everybody from here to, to you know, Siberia, right. who is coming in? Well, I think uh, I don't know the whole history of it, but I, my belief would be. Uh, it's the coaches that are on the primarily that are on this rules committee. And they want as much control as possible, you know. So, how do we avoid it being my guy didn't know what was going on, or, or, or you know, well we make them report and then the official has to go over and tell the defense sixty-eight is eligible, which is uh, what happened in this particular case. I saw a great replay of it the next day, which had everything that happened prior to the play. Um, 68 came out and he went over to report to the referee. Yeah. The referee saw number 70 also over there who had been reporting the whole, you know, three or four times in the game. He made the assumption that it was 70 and he was already backing out toward the Cowboys defense to tell him yeah. 70 was eligible. So he never heard 68. Now, meanwhile, 68 is out there and he's wide open. Now the rule is two guys can't report. Only one can, but 70 never reported. And from what uh, uh, the coach said, and I know that in general, this is what happens, and I'm sure it's the same from high school to the, 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 the pros. If I got a trick play in, and Bob Lobel and Mike Lynch are the referees, I tell you before the game. Yes. And usually I draw it up so you can see it. This is what we're going to be doing in this situation. So, uh, But instead, uh, and I like the Lions coach, but he tried to be a little tricky, you know, and he admitted that, you know, that's why those other two linemen were wandering out there. Like hopefully somebody from Dallas will get confused, even though they tell him it's 68 and, and, and uh, he was a little too smart. Having said that it was the official's fault. Because, and if they're men about it, they'll admit it because that, that in the end, it doesn't make that much. They were locked into the third spot, yeah. uh, but they should have won the game, you know? Uh, now from a coach's standpoint, I don't know what you guys felt, uh, but when he kept going for it, I know, you know enough. Yeah, right. right. Now, now you're asking to blow your face off. You know, like, what are you, what are you doing? God is talking to you. He's saying, kick the ball, go to overtime. Uh, but he didn't listen. So, it, uh, uh, but that Cruz had five or six uh, terrible calls. If if you remember, 
they were the crew in that Kansas City game when there was that terrible pass interference call on the yeah. on the Chiefs guy. The guy just ran over him, and they didn't make that call either. So uh, uh, the upside is that's going to cost that crew some money because they won't be doing any playoff games. I, I would hope. Anyway, um, I don't think they are. Hey, let me get a, let me get get a quick spot in here. Sure. And there's no questions after this. You already answered Raquel Welch. Isn't that who you picked? <laughs> Raquel Welch, absolutely. So. <laughs> hey, if you're thinking about a new vehicle, go where Loby and Lynchy go. Go see our good friend, the big wheel, George Gray, at George Gray's Lexington Toyota. We've been customers for years because we know that George Gray will treat you right. They are a family-owned and operated dealership that we trust and you can trust as well. So go see the, the big wheel himself, George Gray at Lexington Toyota, George Gray's Lexington Toyota. And you will not be disappointed. Loby and I are still driving um, many, many a car from from George Gray. Well, this has been great, uh, Ron Borges. What do uh, anything we left left on the table, or should we uh, pick this up next year and do the same thing again? Yeah, we should do it again. This is great uh, catching up with you guys. I've, I've I've seen the show a number of times. Uh, well, you're the one. And you know, <laughs> well, Upton's the one. Just ask him. <laughs> Upton is definitely the one, but no, we're happy Upton. Upton, we came on Upton show because it turns into Upton show. Absolutely, Upton. yeah. And, Easiest uh, book I ever wrote was the book I wrote with Upton. I just asked him one question. And I just sat down for a month. I know. I got. I got. I got it right here. President creation. And I'll tell you one thing about Upton Bell. Uh, now, if Upton Bell was in a position that Belichick is in, I'd keep him because his mind's as sharp as a tack. He would tell me all this stuff, and then I'd go, you know, research it to make sure. Oh, so and so was the assistant coach of the Chicago Bears in 1942, and bang, I look him up, and he, and he was. The only mistake he made, believe it or not, in everything he told me, and I only caught it because a mutual friend of ours uh, is a train buff, former NFL guy, but he also was a train buff. So I had him read the book, and he calls me up, and he's like breathless. You know, you got this mistake in the in the manuscript, you got to fix it. I'm like, oh, geez, what I do? And he goes, he wasn't on the on the on the Zephyr, the train from Chicago to L.A. It wasn't the Zephyr in 1947. It was some other train. I went like, what? But he was right. It was uh, so the only thing up and got wrong was he was on the wrong train with his dad to Los Angeles in 1946. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> great job, Ronnie. Thank you thanks, so much. Guys. Ron, it's thanks so much. Uh, it's yeah, been great. I uh, uh, hope Rodney gets in. Fingers yep. crossed for Rodney uh, on the Hall of Fame.